Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. So now we come to the talk, and our speaker for today is a familiar face to us, but in a different position. And it feels like, um, yeah, basically it's Tim, and Tim has not preached for like seven months. This is Tim's first like um, outing on the preaching rota for the last like seven months. Uh, but I want just to take the opportunity just to really honor Tim and all that he has invested uh, in the Minster since we joined. Um, as you will know, just the transition between worship leaders has been a really long time. Uh, and one of Tim's like real gifts to the church, to the team, is enablement and stepping into gaps when there's a gap to be stepped into. And Tim uses that gift time and time again. Uh, so over the last seven months, Tim has been in that, that gap, that position of, of leading us in worship and doing a fantastic job of doing so. Not just keeping things ticking over, but building and developing our culture of worship here uh, at the Minster. Uh, and that's great. But of course, with Martin and Harriet coming, uh, that kind of mantle is being passed on, which is fantastic. And we get Tim back in the position that God has called him to for this season, uh, which is to be, to be preaching, to be pastoring, uh, to be leading here uh, at the Minster. So I want to massively honor Tim for all that he's invested and to thank him. So would you please give him a massive Preston Minster welcome. Thanks, Shall I just go? It's just all oh, no, It's great. Uh, I want to pass on uh, that thanks to the team who have supported me. Um, the, the, the creative team, you have been phenomenal. You have held, held things together. You've been uh, such an encouragement uh, to me. And also, can I just say to loads of you as well, like you keep whispering encouragements in my ears and it has meant uh, the world to me. So um, thank you so much. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to talk again. So if I just burst into song, then just go with it. We'll just have a bit of, a bit of fun uh, this morning. Um, anybody here love a good ponder? Anyone love a good ponder? New Year's, good time for a good ponder. The best place to ponder is definitely out in the sticks. I know there's a walking group. Who was out walking yesterday? There's a load of you walking. Look at you all having the dream. It's the best place to, to ponder. But the second best place to ponder is doing the washing up isn't it? That mindless task of uh, washing up. And I, and I love, I love doing that. And one of the things I do is I listen to some podcasts that like stretch my mind a bit, that help me to ponder the world and everything about it. You know, why are we here? All that sort of stuff. And um, one of the podcasts I listen to is called, it's by a guy called Matthew Side. And uh, bizarrely, he used to be like a 
a table tennis player for Britain. Um, but he's like a deep, he's a deep thinker. He's written a load of books and he does this podcast called Sideways. See what he did there? Matthew's side, Sideways. And it's about looking at the world a little bit differently. And I was listening to one the other day and I've got to tell you the story on it. I've got to tell you. So he told us this really heartwarming story about a woman who, it was Christmas Eve, and um, she needed, she couldn't afford to heat her home. And she needed just to get one of those tokens so that she could heat her home. Uh, But she was 5p short on Christmas Eve. And she walked out of her house uh, late at night, and basically she was looking around on the floor for 5p. And she came across this homeless guy, and uh, he, said to, uh, he said to her, any chance, you know, you can help? Uh, have you got any spare change? And she burst into tears. She burst into tears and was like, I, I can't, I'm so sorry, I would love to, but I, I need 5p, I, I need to be able to heat my home on Christmas Day uh, tomorrow. And the homeless guy went in his pocket and took out 5p and gave it to her. And she was able to buy uh, the electricity token. She was able to go home and to heat her home. And then over the course of the year, she, she carried on walking down the, the street that she was in, the town that she was in, and she saw this guy, and, and they used to stop and chat, and they started to become friends. And then a little bit further down the line, it was like oh, he ended up lodging with her. She became the step for him to get back into housing. And uh, they ended up like becoming lodgers. And then, <laughs> and then they started falling for each other. Can you believe it? And then uh, they uh, eventually he plucked up the courage to ask her to marry him. Anyway, the, the, the town got word of this, and uh, it got into like the local press, this story. And then the local church was like, we'll, we'll do it all for free. And then the local florist was like, we'll, we'll do the, flor- the flowers for free. And uh, the, the cake businesses and all local businesses came around, and they had the most phenomenal uh, wedding. And, um, and years later, they are rebuilding their lives, and they're, they're having an amazing life. Isn't that such a cool story? Isn't that an amazing uh, story? But what was fascinating for me as I was washing up, as I was uh, pondering the beauty of humanity in that moment, Matthew sighed. Then what he did was he sort of made a few observations and conclusions about, about humanity, essentially. Let me tell you what he said. And what he did is he lent on a load of scientific research, sociological studies, all this sort of stuff. And he said, studies have shown that it is actually more beneficial to us to give than to receive. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, I think I've heard that somewhere before. And then his second was that in order to give well, you need to have a good level of self-care. I was like, okay, okay. And then the third conclusion that he uh, came to was that studies have shown, this is what he said, the studies have shown that we are less likely to be generous the more that we have. And as I was there washing up, I started screaming in my head. I was like, Matthew, you don't need sociological studies to tell you this stuff. You don't need scientific research. Jesus said all this stuff so long ago. Let me prove it to you. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said in Acts 20. 
Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus instructs us. That means we need to care well for ourselves in order to give well. And it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. Oh, the more we have, the harder it is for us to be generous. And you know, what it reminded me is that the stuff in the scriptures, it is solid. It is true. And now we, in our culture, we look to all this other stuff, which is okay, it's good. Scientific research is great. Sociological research, fantastic. But it all points to this deep, deep truth, which we find in the scriptures. And this stuff, it stands the test of time of generations and generations of generations. It stands the test of time for times of plenty and times of lack. So this morning, we are going to be thinking about our five Ps. (laughs) We're going to be thinking about our money, our relationship that we have with money, our generosity. And I want you to know that as we open these scriptures, the truths that we are discovering are solid and they are good for us. Now, I want to acknowledge before we get going really that um, in some ways this is like the worst possible time to start talking about money, right? Worst possible time. We have um, a cost of living crisis and we hear about it all the time. And part of me wants to push back a little bit on the word crisis. I feel like that's like a, it's a fear-inducing word. But nevertheless, the cost of living crash, the cost of living is real. Like I went, you go to the shop, you buy the food, and you're like, that cost more than I thought it was going to. If you're privileged enough to have a car and you fill it up with fuel, you're like, man, that costs more than I thought it was going to. When the bills come in about heating our homes, they have gone up. That is where we are. We are in a cost of living moment. But as I was preparing this, and I was a little bit like, oh, I've got to talk about money. I haven't preached for six months. (laughs) Now I'm going to preach about money. And we're in a cost of living crisis. I felt a bit of conviction from the Lord. I felt the Lord say, this is actually the best time to talk about money. This is the best time for us as a community to talk about our finances and what it does to us and our hearts. We need Jesus' perspective on our finances. We need need this timeless truth to help us in this moment in time. Does that make sense? We need this timeless truth in this moment in time. So my invitation to us this morning is to listen afresh to what Jesus has to say about money and about us and let it affect our souls, knowing that this is good and this is meaty and it's good for us. So let's turn to our passage this morning. It's Matthew chapter 6, starting at uh, verse 19. And um, as uh, you're looking, it'll come on the screens as well. Uh, But it's it's in a place in the scriptures, uh, and it's often called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a collection of Jesus' teachings um, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And at the beginning of those teachings, Jesus says, 
I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, in other words, like all the, the stuff in the Old Testament, but I have come to fulfill it. And then we get these beautiful, rich uh, teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it's almost like this is the fulfillment about what this is all about. So if you want to go and do some pondering, slowly read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But let's jump into this today. Starting at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the thing. When Jesus talks about money, he's not actually talking about money. He's talking about our heart. Did you spot it? For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I often think, why did Jesus, who lived on so little, why does he talk about money a lot? He talks about it much more than you think, because actually he's interested in our heart. Hear this. God wants you. God loves you. He desires you, and he wants your heart. But, but, he knows you, and he knows me, and he knows that our money is like an outworking of our heart. Does that make sense? Our money is an outworking of the heart. The heart is what it desires. And it's an outworking of our desires, right? Where we put our money, it shows what we truly desire. It's an outworking of what we trust. Like the thing that we actually put our trust in is like that's where we will put our finances. It's an outworking of the things that we value. What we spend our money on shows us what we value. It's an outworking of our insecurities, What are we spending our money on to try and cover up our insecurities? So when Jesus gives us uh, instructions about money, it's because he wants our heart. The second thing that he says, which is so kind of crystal clear, a little bit brutal, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot, it is not possible. It's like he's saying your heart, your soul, your kind of essence, your being, it it can't serve both. So we're kind of left with these two choices. We can either try and incorporate our financial life in our service of the Lord because we've chosen to serve the Lord, or... We can make our financial life our God. 
And that sounds pretty brutal, doesn't it? But actually, I think there's a lot of truth in it. We need to get our finances to submit to our service of the Lord. Otherwise, it'll compete and try and become our God. The other day, I was, um, I was sat across uh, uh, having tea with my wife, Emma. And uh, just before you get any idea of an idyllic family scene, um, we both had long days, tough days. We got home, we'd given up. We'd be like, kids, TV, dinner's for you. So they were having tea in front of the telly. And uh, Emma graciously uh, said to me, Tim, how's, how's your talk going? How's the prep for the talk going? What are you, what are you talking about? I said, ah. Oh talking about money, it's a bit of a tricky time, I'm like, oh, I just want to get across that it's all about the heart, and uh, yeah, I want to, you know, increase generosity, and you know, all, all that stuff, and, uh, and she said this to me, are you ready, because this is the gold, you forget everything I say, this is the gold, she said to me, when I first became a Christian, she became a Christian about 18 years old, so when I first became a Christian, I saw my money as God's bank account, and he's entrusted me with his money. So how am I going to use it? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good point. I spent two days trying to figure this stuff out. But uh, I'm really glad that you, uh, you got it. Let me, let me say that again. When I first became a Christian, I saw my money as God's bank account. And he's entrusted me with his money. And how, so how am I going to use it? Isn't that a beautiful way to think about our finances? And uh, as an aside, whilst I'm doting on my wonderful wife, um, she has the same principle about our children. She sees our children as God's children who we have the privilege of looking after. When I grow up, I hope I'm like Emma. <laughs> um, so, God wants our heart. That's what he's truly interested in. He wants our heart. And he, he wants us to use our money in service to him. And a key part of that is giving. A key part of that is generosity. Because it allows our heart to, be, to submit to his will. And so, giving is a really important part of that. So, what I thought I would do is I would give us 10 top tips to becoming great givers. Are you ready for that? 10 tips. So get your notebooks out. Oh, no one has a notebook. This guy's got a notebook. Oh, can we just give a round of applause to this young man? He's like, oh, I need another one. No, oh, this book. But, oh, there's more than Lottie's got one. If you don't have a notebook, get your phone out and resist the muscle memory. Don't go to WhatsApp. Don't go to Instagram. Get your notes out. We've got communal accountability, okay? If you see someone scrolling, elbow. Elbow is fine. Communal accountability. Okay, 10 top tips to become great givers. Are you ready? Say, turn to the person next to you say, I'm ready. Now say it like you mean it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just excited. I haven't been spoken for six months. I apologize. Right, number one, my first top tip for you is this. Put God first. And you're like, yeah, 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 well done, Tim. Well done. Yeah, rocket science. But no, put God first. Great principle, obviously, in all areas of our life. But with our money, put God first is a great, great principle. I would, my top tip is, with your giving, make it the first thing that comes out of the account. 
Make it the first thing. So if you, when you, whatever income you get, all the direct debits go out, don't they, soon after that. Make it the first thing. And here's why. In, uh, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs are like wisdom sayings, really good wisdom sayings for us. Proverbs 3, verse 9, says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The first fruits. And why is that important? It's, it's important because it's saying, you are my first God. It's saying, I am going to put my trust in you. And the opposite of that is like, I'll give you some of the leftovers because actually I'm first and then whatever's left over, you can have a piece of that. So top tip number one, put God first. Put God first. Number two, has everyone written that down? Let me go the notes out, yeah? Number two, work with percentage rather than amount. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, there was, uh, in, the, in the law, there was kind of uh, this, this principle of tithing. You may have heard of that phrase before. And tithing was about giving 10% of your income, again, the first 10% of the income, uh, to, uh, to the Lord. And I think there's something key about thinking in terms of percentage, which is really healthy. Because as our income or whatever might go up or down, it's our relationship is not about, oh, aren't I good? I've managed to give this amount. Or that person over there can give loads more amount than me. Or this person gives a lot less. When we think in terms of percentage, I just think it's really good for our souls. Does that make sense? So I think a really great principle is to work on percentage. And I think, I think the tithing principle, it's not a law. Jesus came to fulfill it, remember? So good news is it's all of our money now. Um, he's fulfilled it. But I actually think the tithing is a really helpful like marker. For some of us, it'll be something to aspire to. And for some of us, it might be something that we look back on. But I think it's really, uh, a really helpful principle is work with percentage rather than amount. Top tip number three, give as an act of worship. Give as an act of worship. Uh, each Sunday at the Minster, we give an opportunity for people to give in the context of worship in the context of worship. A lot of churches, they pass around plates and they bring it up to the front as like an offering. And I kind of really like that because it's like, this is an act of worship. It is not a Christian tax, okay? It is an act of worship. It's not an ought. It's not a should. It's an act of worship. It's, it's giving God his worth. So top tip number three, when you give, give as an act of worship. Top tip number four, Budget wisely. Budget wisely. We're called to be generous. We're called to be generous givers, but we're also called to be wise with our money. We're called to budget well. In Proverbs 21, it says, Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. And then a little bit later, it gets particularly brutal. Acts 21 uh, verse 20 says this. And I'm thinking about adopting this as a future preaching style. So next time I preach, get ready. Um, Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. <laughs> I love that. You know, you know when sometimes the, the scriptures feel like a rebuke. Um, 
but budget wisely. Uh, myself and Emma, we, we sit down about twice a year and we get the spreadsheet out and we have a little deep dive into our finances. And you know, we've done this for a number of years now and what happens is two things seem to happen every time. Firstly, we are able to increase our giving. So we like look at the numbers, we sort stuff out, and we increase our giving. And the second thing is that we feel more in control of our money, and we feel like we actually have more, even though we literally have less because we've given more away. So budget wisely is top tip number four. Number five, top tip five, is work out that giving muscle. Um, apologies for using the most overused uh, analogy ever in the history of the modern church. But when you're working out uh, with weights, when you're doing the bench presses, obviously expert in that field. Um, <laughs> wow. 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 When you're working out, <clears throat> when you're working out, um, uh, yeah, when you're working out, you, if it's too easy, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't grow the muscles. If you push it, if you push a little bit to the limit, then the muscles tear and they are able to grow. And with our giving, if it feels easy, if you're not feeling any cost to it, then it's not actually uh, working out our faith muscle. So I want to encourage you, top tip is like stretch that muscle a bit. Because what it does is you will increase in faith. It will increase your trust in the Lord. It will increase your reliance on him. So number five, work out that giving muscle. Number six, number six. If you need help, talk. Hear this. If you need help, talk. Money's really powerful. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, the scriptures say. Money's powerful. Debt can have a horrible, horrible grip. Talk to friends at church. Can we be a community that doesn't have money as like a taboo subject? Can we become a community who just loves and supports each other? If you've got a friend at church who you know and trust, and you talk about money with them, ask them for help with budgeting or vice versa or whatever. And if you are in kind of serious difficulty, there are organizations that like, can really help with this stuff. There's organizations in Preston. There's one in particular called CAP, Christians Against Poverty. Reach out to them. If you need any support, uh, drop me an email. But I want to say this. If that's the bit that resonates with you this morning, I want to encourage you. I'd encourage you to still set up a regular gift. And it could be the smallest percentage in the world. But do it as a statement of, a, of, a, of intent. Because if you give your 0.2% or whatever it might be, you are saying, I am a giver. It becomes your identity. I am trusting in the Lord. I am putting the Lord first. And as you journey out of the difficult situation, I'd encourage you to just do that regular thing, as small as it is, because it isn't about the amount, it's about your heart. So top tip number six, if you need help, talk. 
Number seven, close the communal giving gap. I was really searching for a catchier way of summarizing this, and I failed miserably. But I want to close the communal giving gap. Let's just say for a moment, let's work with the, with the Old Testament principle of tithing. I think God has provided amongst this beautiful community all the resources we need to further the mission of God that he is calling us to. I really believe that. And, and, and if we had kind of, all of us were giving 10%, I think we would be in like abundance. <laughs> it would be, it'd be amazing. And I wonder if today you are one of the people who can close the communal giving gap. So maybe, maybe you're feeling the pinch of our cost of living at the moment, but actually what it's affecting is the, it's like the nicer things of life budget. Does that make sense? So you're feeling the squeeze, like, oh, shall I go out for that coffee? Do, can we afford to go out for that meal? It is, you're feeling the squeeze, but actually it's in a kind of squeezing a place of luxury. If that's you, I want to invite you this morning to consider you could be the person or the people who can close the almost like giving gap because there are other amongst us who simply can't give more than 1%, can't give more than 3%. Could you be the person who gives 19 and help that communal giving gap? Number eight, number eight, top tip number eight, enjoy giving, enjoy giving. Being able to give is great. Being able to bless is fantastic. Being able to invest in the mission of what God is doing through his local church. It is a joy. Enjoy giving. <clears throat> it really is better to give than to receive. The Bible says it, and so does some sociological research. Apparently, uh, 2 Corinthians says this, Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, don't be a grumpy giver. It's pointless. Don't be a grumpy giver. That is like a lose-lose, yeah? You give money away and you feel grumpy about it. Lose-lose. Don't be a grumpy giver. Be a cheerful giver. Win-win. Cheerful give. Your money will go towards the extraordinary things God is doing, and you will feel good about it. Choose to be a, a cheerful giver. Enjoy giving. Number nine. I'm really, we're landing with this. And it isn't actually my top tip. I nicked it from someone who I like quite a lot. His name's Jesus. Top tip number nine. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We go right back to the passage we looked at at the beginning. He says to us, store up treasures in heaven. Imagine a, imagine a piece of string that just goes on and on and on, all the way down the high street and just keeps going on and on and on. Our life is like a tiny little bit of that string, and there's eternity. And when we invest in the things of this world, we're investing in this tiny bit. But when we invest in the things of eternity, we are storing up treasure in heaven. And friends, every penny that we give or that we pledge today to the work of God, to the mission of God and his local church, every penny, what we're going to do is pour fuel on the fire of what God is doing. Wasn't that video extraordinary of all that has happened in the last three years? 
God is doing some amazing things and he's going to do more. And every penny that we give and pledge is like pouring fuel on that fire. Alpha. We are opening up all the time to our beautiful people of Preston and wider an invitation to come and receive a meal, come and have hospitality and discover Jesus. When you give, you are pouring fuel on that fire. Our youth ministry, we had eight young people have now moved into Minster Youth. And there's, a, there's a, this youth group forming that are over there right now. And they are at that perfect age of like identity formation. Who am I? Who am I going to be? Oh, they are finding out that they can be a child of God. And they are discovering that. And your giving will pour fuel onto that ministry. Our kids, no doubt they'll come in inappropriately in a minute when I'm doing the response. And, um, but, but their beautiful minds are being crafted. You can pour fuel on that fire. Students, the students, you, just, you don't get embarrassed, but the students, they are the influencers of tomorrow. And we are investing in them. Let's pour fuel on that fire. Church planting, LDY, the 11. And let me tell you a couple of stories. Spear. Spear is an extraordinary thing that is happening, helping young adults get back into employment. The government did some research into Spear. Not our research, not the church's research, the government. Listen to what their conclusion uh, is. They said this, this is a quote. If all neat, that's not in education, employment, or training, if all neat young people receive the support as effective as SPEAR, we could reduce the number of young people who are not in education, employment, or training by 130,000, filling over 10% of the vacancies in our economy. By this time next year. This is the government research basically saying spear is head and shoulders above of everything else when it comes to this stuff. And a year ago, here in the Northwest, in Preston, we started uh, our spear programs here. It is phenomenal what God is doing. And your giver is going to pour fuel onto that fire. Let me tell you one story. And I know I'm going on, so apologize. But it's been a while. <laughs> Let me tell you one story about a girl. We're going to call her H. This is from the last Spear project, transformation of her life. H joined Spear, incredibly nervous about meeting new people. Her experience of employment in the past was negative, and she'd also experienced bullying most of her life. In the last year, her dad had also passed away suddenly. H's confidence and mental health had taken quite a knock. One afternoon, her work coach at the job center sat down with Emma. Emma, where is Emma? There she is, on our spear team. And she was shy and anxious. And H stuck with the whole program, embracing every challenge, opening up and growing significantly in confidence. She made friends and became a source of joy and inspiration for others, even the coaches and the volunteers. H had a standout moment in her mock interview with Raj, Raj gives a wave, mocking of you with Raj. And she was able to confidently share her passions in life and use this whole experience to successfully gain employment with a new local retailer working 20 hours a week. 
In a matter of week, H, uh, weeks, H was able to overcome challenges she was facing, enter employment successfully, openly share about her journey so far, and confidently take control over her situation and positively turn her life around. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Guys, honestly, God is doing so much. From that, for the stuff with Spear to church planting across the Northwest, it, God is doing amazing things. And anything that we give and pledge today is going to pour fuel on the fire and what God is doing through his church. He, for some reason, he chooses you lot to do this stuff. So top tip number 10. Let's do it. Let's do it. God wants your heart. He wants to use uh, your money to serve him. And God invites us to store up treasures in heaven by giving to the, the mission of the local church. So shall we stand? listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.